0: So I want us to begin by thinking about this question. Do you think it's naive that you can change the world? On the one hand, we try to raise our kids to believe that this is true, don't we? And when they start to try, the world and our society starts to cut them down and says, don't be stupid. You can't change the world. It's too hard, the problems are too big. And who are you anyway? You're no one. Maybe you've experienced this in your own journey. Or maybe you've always thought that you're not good enough, smart enough, influential enough to be someone who could change the world. Maybe just like our authorities telling us that the church is not an essential service, you've felt the world tell you that as a Christian, You're completely irrelevant to the world's needs. Well, I believe God's word to us this morning is spot on for us. And I'm in awe, actually, about how connected these chapters of Genesis that we've been looking at in these last couple of weeks, how connected they've been to what's happening in our context in the world around us at the moment. And what I believe God is saying to us today through Genesis 12 is that actually You are written in to God's plans to change and to save the world. Now, as we look at Genesis 12 today, this is actually our last sermon in our series on the making of our world. We've been looking at this prologue to the Bible from Genesis 1 to chapter 12 and what it means for our understanding of the world, our relationships with God, with each other and with creation. And so when we come to Genesis 12, what we have in our background is how God intended things to be in his creation. We've seen the harmony and goodness of right relationships within God's purposes and design. And then from Genesis 3, we see the dire consequences of broken relationships and separation from God. But already in these last eight chapters, we're seeing God intervene in this brokenness. We've seen God save a remnant of his creation through the global flood. And we've seen God's intervention with the Tower of Babel to ensure humanity didn't self-destruct through seeking its own glory. Reminding us that the best for humanity and what is best for the world is when people seek God's kingdom first and God's glory first. So God has already been intervening to save humanity and his creation from the destructive and deadly impacts of sin. And it's with this in mind that we come to Genesis 12, when God calls a man to something new and promises to bless the whole world through him. And it's in this chapter that we begin to see where God is leading all of history and what the rest of the Bible is actually about. So let's have a look at this story. It's a pretty straightforward and simple story where God speaks to Abraham, who is later known as Abraham. He speaks to him with a command to go to the land that he will show him. And there, where God makes some massive promises to Abraham. And then when Abraham arrives in the land and worships God in a way that generations would recognise later. A simple story, but there's a profound history-altering meaning behind it. So who is this guy Abraham anyway? Well, he's actually the 10th generation descendant of Noah. We know from Genesis 11 that he's part of a small family tribe made up of just his father and his nephew and his wife Sarai. We are also told in Genesis 11 that Sarai can't conceive and have children. So Abraham's just an ordinary guy, but with no hope of progeny or of legacy. He probably had no hope of making a dint, let alone an impact on the world. But then God speaks. Like in Genesis one, when God speaks the cosmos into existence out of nothing, we know that God's about to do something powerful when he speaks to Abraham. So first, God gives Abram a direction. He says, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. This command involves adventure into the unknown and it means something new for Abram. But God's direction also came with a cost to Abram to leave the familiar, to leave his security, to leave his father and his father's tribe to leave his livelihood, to leave his home and his sense of place, to leave his culture. And after God's direction to Abraham, God then speaks a series of promises. In verses 2 to 3, God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I want us to notice a couple of things here. Firstly, God, God alone is the active agent. He's the one who's going to make these things happen. God doesn't consider Abram's merit or his inadequacies or his capacity to bring any of this about. Before God and in view of such promises, Abraham is actually totally impotent. I mean, he and Sarai can't have children, and here is God saying he's going to form a nation out of their descendants. Last week, we read about the people building the tower to make a name for themselves. Here, God promises to make a name for Abraham, to make his name great. So, this is all by God's divine grant and gracious will. You see, where there is hopelessness, God speaks miraculous hope. And where there's no ambition but complete dependence on God, God opens up influence. But what I want us to see in these promises is more than promises made to one man thousands of years ago. It's more than that. Look at verse 3. It says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God promises that all peoples on earth will be blessed through Abraham. That God's people would once again be a vessel, a channel of God's blessing in the world. Remember back to Genesis 1 and 2 where we read of God making us as image bearers of God. To image him as representatives of God's good reign throughout the world. In other words, to be channels of God's life and love and blessing and channels of his justice. Well, right here in these words in Genesis 12 is God's promise to restore the human condition. To restore the image of God within humanity. To rescue humanity from its bent and its inclination towards sin to restore humanity's relationship with God such that there's no more separation between God and his people, and to restore humanity to wholeness, to rightness, where we are once again a means of God's blessing in the world. So these promises that God is making to Abraham are actually God's rescue plan for the world. This is worldwide blessing we're talking about the blessing for the renewal of the world, the restoration and healing of all brokenness and all broken relationships, the flourishing of life in creation as all things are reunified to God, the source of all life and righteousness and goodness. So right in these very words is the promise of the gospel itself, the promise of the good news, the promise of worldwide salvation. And so Genesis 12 then is the connecting point between Genesis 1-11 to and the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible tells us the story of how God fulfills this promise to Abraham whose descendants become the nation of Israel and how God begins to enact his promises to bless all peoples of the world. So If we have a look at this diagram, we can see that in this beginning part of Genesis, the story is narrowing in from the whole cosmos to humanity and now to the nation of Israel. And it will continue throughout the Old Testament until history reaches its center and its climax in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The New Testament then, is about the impact of Jesus Christ and his gospel, his blessing expanding out through the church to all peoples and the entire cosmos. So when we think about Jesus Christ in light of this passage in Genesis 12, we can understand him as the fulfilment of this promise that God made to Abraham. He is the promised offspring a descendant of Abraham and the perfect representative of the nation of Israel. Later on in the Bible, we read of people like the Apostle Paul interpreting God's promise to Abraham in this way, in Galatians 3.14. He said, Christ did this so that God's blessing promised to Abraham might come to the non-Jews. This blessing comes through Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying that Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promise to Abraham in order that all peoples will be blessed. But this promise also has another horizon of fulfilment in us, in you, the church. A few verses later in this section in Galatians, in Galatians 3 verse 29, Paul says, You belong to Christ so you are abraham's descendants you get all of god's blessings because of the promise that god made to abraham so you the church through christ are now the nation that was promised you are now the new israel you have been grafted in as heirs of the promise to abraham so what does this mean It means that the church is now the vessel through whom God will bless all peoples on earth. You, the church, are now the means through which God's blessings to the world come. Are you hearing this? All nations of the world will be blessed through you, You see, you were written in to God's divine plan to redeem the world and renew all of creation. Let me say this again. You were written in to God's divine plan to redeem the world and renew all of creation. Can I hear an amen in your lounge rooms today? When we realize this truth, we actually find ourselves more free than ever in the power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We won't feel restricted by our own limitations or overwhelmed thinking it's in our own strength. It's actually not about us. But it's the power of God already at work in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit already at work in His Church. And for me, it was this unfolding understanding that captured my sense of calling to vocational ministry as I discovered that God's plans to change the world were bigger than my ideas and the things that I've been taught about the world. Now, you might also be called to vocational ministry. Or maybe not, but ministry and mission as part of God's church is a part of your life because you are part of God's mission and part of God's means to change the world. Our government might say that we are a non-essential part of our society, but in fact we are more essential, more integral to this world's healing and redemption than we might realise. And maybe God wants to say to you today, that you are more essential to our world's salvation and renewal than you realise. God put you here in this time in history, in this time and place, to be a part of his blessing to the world. No matter your age and stage of life, you're a part of it. So the big question that is before you now is what does this mean for you? What does this mean for us? And there's a lot, there's a lot that this could mean for us. But I sense that today God wants us to learn from Abraham. In Romans, the Apostle Paul reflected on Abraham and this very idea. And in Romans chapter 4, he wrote of Abraham that he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And I think this is the heart of what God is saying to us today. Believe that God has power to do what he promised to finish what he started in Abraham and what he achieved in Jesus Christ and what he's accomplishing today through his church, and to bring to fulfilment his good and perfect purposes for all creation. And I hope this word to us today stimulates a conversation for us as a church over the coming months about what it means practically to be people who are bringing God's blessing to the world and to the community around us. What it means to be participants in God's mission as vessels of God's gospel blessing to all peoples. Because indeed his promise still stands. In and through Christ, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this promise. This promise that you made to Abraham thousands of years ago, which still stands today, that you are still fulfilling today as you achieve your purposes in your world. God, I pray that as a church that we would grow in our faith, God, that we would believe that you are the one who's going to do it, (laughs) that it's in and through your power, At work, that you've got the power to do what you promised. Help us to realize our part in your mission through Jesus Christ to be people who bring your gospel blessing to our community and to our world and who are part of your means of changing this world, of saving it and bringing it back to rightness and goodness under your reign.